Welcome back to another episode of Time Out with the Sports Doctor, where life, sports, and medicine intersect. I'm your host, Dr. Derek Burgess. I love, love replacing people's joints. I love orthopedic surgery in general, but also I've developed a significant amount of love for real estate and how I'm investing. And I, I just want to share that, that, that love with as many people as I can. Today we have Dr. Julius Oni. Hey, welcome to the show, Julius. Hey, how you doing, Derek? Thank you so much for inviting me. It's an honor. Man, glad to have you here. So this is the definition of multitasking. As you can see, he's at the hospital still in his office on call. But hey, thank you for squeezing in this interview. No, thank you, man. I'm always going to you know, rise to the call whenever you call. So I'm, I'm excited to be here. I appreciate it. So Dr. Julius Oni, he is a total joint specialist, orthopedic surgeon, uh, did his medical school training at Howard University College of Medicine, uh, residency at NYU Langone Health, and then his uh, fellowship in total joint replacements at Rush Hospital. Uh, so if you could just tell us a little bit about what kind of led you into orthopedics in the first place. That's a great question. Um, so I actually went into medical school thinking I was going to become a cardiovascular surgeon. Because that was, I knew I wanted to do some type of surgery, but that was uh, the only type of surgery that I was familiar with. Um, I, I've been growing up, uh, growing up in, in 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 a country, you know, that I mean, at least at that time, the only surgeons that I knew that I I'd heard of were cardiovascular surgeons. So, so and I thought I was fascinated by the heart, uh, uh, and and uh, so wanted to do cardiovascular surgery. But then in third year, when I rotated through cardiovascular surgery, I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I thought, man, it's, you know, I mean, um, you know, shout out to all the cardiovascular surgeons out there. And I very much respect what they do. But um, the only part of that case that was exciting for me was like seeing the heart beat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, you know, actually seeing a life heart beating. Um, but, uh, but otherwise I felt like the approach were very similar every single time you just went down the same, <laughs> same approach, but that was actually not what dissuaded me from cardiovascular surgery. It was the fact that, um, uh, on my rotation, a lot of patients died, <laughs> you know, and we right. had to have a life or death. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we had a, we, you know, we had to have a lot of, uh, family meetings, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and and, and, and so, we, you know, and I was like, man, I, I'm not really sure if this is what I want to do with my life. You know, I've been all this really tough discussions with family about why we weren't able to save their families, uh, their family members. And, and, and all the patients were super sick. Um, so, uh, I mean, I started to have significant doubts at that time. And then as fate will have it, I was randomly placed on the orthopedic rotation you remember that uh, yeah. back then at Howard University, you either was randomly placed on ortho, neurology, and I think right. one of the specialties for your sub, you know, general yeah. surgery specialty. And so uh, I was placed on ortho, like just randomly. Prior to that, I had no real exposure to orthopedics. I just thought that, you know, the jocks in the class were the people trying to do ortho or people who thought they were smart, or, you know, and I always thought that the, the ortho guys had a little bit of, you know, um, you know, cockiness to them that I <laughs> didn't think, you know, uh, fit with my personality. But, but then I rotated to orthopedics and I was like, wow, this is incredible. This is, 
I love these guys. They, they, you know, they were doing incredible work. They were, you know, they, you know, we saw patients in clinic. We fixed them. They got up the next day. We're walking. You know, we saw a problem, fixed it, and and literally within weeks, um, patients were 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 living their best life. So. I was like, this is perfect for me, you know, um, but at that time it was already towards the end of third year. And as you know, it was almost a little too late to be, you know, deciding on doing orthopedics. Uh, and, and that's when I started reaching out to different people and asking, you know, is this still realistic for me to do orthopedics and, and shout out to, uh, uh Dr. Bonnie Simpson, uh, was one of the first people I actually talked to around that time. Dr. Bonnie Simpson Mason. Now we got to get Mason. it right. Dr. <laughs> Mason, I, I, I apologize, Tom. <laughs> so, but but um, but she gave me some incredible advice, and the rest is history. You know, I switched to orthopedics, applied, was fortunate to land at my number one um, program for um, uh, during the match, and uh, the rest is history. Yeah, so like you said, orthopedics. There's a saying: TSFO, right? Too sick for orthopedics. Because we are in the we're in the quality of life, not the life saving business for the most part. So absolutely, I totally understand your your um, point about sick patients and dealing with that day in and day out. Maybe limb saving. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, not life saving. Life saving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and actually, Derek, um, around the same time that I was making all these decisions, I also found out that my mother, uh, my my paternal grandmother. Um, at end stage arthritis of both knees in Nigeria. Okay. And there was no one to like do a total knee replacement at that time. This was like, you know, or, or like 2005, 2006, you know? So, and, and I was just shocked. So it seemed like the universe was conspiring to get me into orthopedics because I was finding out this personal detail about yeah. my very, very dearly beloved, uh, beloved um, grandma. And, and, and I was discovering this same specialty, you know, in medical school. So I was just off to the races after that. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so you mentioned, you know, growing up in Nigeria. So tell us a little bit about your, your early life and your family. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was born as the first of six kids um, to a, a general practitioner, doctor, father, um, and, uh, uh, and, and a teacher mother, um, educated mother. Who, uh, who you know instilled the importance of uh, of hard work. Uh, both of them did. Um, him me um, as I as I grew up. I actually grew up uh, you know like in one wing of my father's small hospital. So my playground was really just playing around the the wards a little bit mm-hmm. and, and seeing all the different you know things that go on in a hospital setting. And just from that experience, I actually never wanted to be a doctor because I just associated with like, you know, like, uh, you know, a lot of gory things, you know. Mm-hmm. So so uh, uh, but then when I went to undergrad, I tried every other thing. You know, I tried a little bit of uh, um, anthropology. I, I took some anthropology classes, accounting classes, you know, uh, math classes. I even took music, you know, but I was I, I was not good at, at any of those things, uh, you know. Uh, and 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 I, I just kept coming back to the fact that I was only mostly good at biological sciences and things that had to do with the anatomy and physiology of the human body. And so it was either going down the, you know, the medical route or the, the you know, uh, uh, I mean, the medicine route or the mm-hmm. researcher route. 
I explored both of those and eventually I'm a people person. So I eventually went down the medical route, but, but I mean, I grew up, uh, my parents were like incredible, just fantastic people. I love them. They're my heroes. Um, and they've, they sacrificed a whole lot to, to get me here. Um, obviously at that point growing up in Nigeria, I never thought that I was going to be able to come to, to, to study in the U S. Um, but then I think uh, my father had seen um, an advertisement in the paper advertising the SATs. <laughs> and, and, and I was at that point, I was home just doing nothing really after finishing high school. And just to kind of keep me from being idle, um, he told me to start studying for the, bought me the SAT books and I started studying for the SATs. One thing led to another. I did the SATs. I was fortunate to do very well. Um, one of my father's friends um, helped apply to a couple of schools for me um, in, in the U.S. or at least sent me the applications I applied myself. And, and before I knew what I had, a couple of scholarships to a couple of schools. So, um, and, and the rest is history. I came to the U.S. after that in 99, you know, by myself, not knowing anybody really except for that father's friend um, who, who had sent the applications. But... I really, it was living in Indianapolis. I was living in, I came to school in New York and and uh, I had to kind of find my way and figure things out. And and, and it, was a, it was a fun, fun experience. Absolutely. So, you know, I just thought about this. So from walking around on the medical wards with your father in Nigeria to now being at the Johns Hopkins, right? <laughs> with your own family, with your own child, wife and child, what does that mean to you? And what does that mean to your family in general? I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible, you know, um, like many immigrant stories, um, the stories are usually like just uh, filled with a whole lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of challenges, challenges um, through the way. But um, I mean, I think but what, what happens with that type of upbringing is that you just, uh, you're very thankful for everything you get, you know? Um, I don't take anything for granted, you know? And, and I still go to Nigeria pretty frequently now. And uh, besides the fact that I try to give back um, in significant ways, I it, one of the key things uh, that, that trip, those trips do for me is that it keeps me grounded. It keeps, it keeps me, it reminds me of where I came from and, and, and you know, what brought me to where I am right now. And, and you know, as orthopedic surgeons, we've gotten to, to elevate to a, a, another strata in the society. And it's really easy sometimes to completely forget <laughs> about the, 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 the path that brought you there. But staying in constant contact with that source, with that, the, that, that place where I came from, you know, where home is, you know, kept me grounded over the years, for sure. And that's excellent. So if orthopedics is not busy enough, you have a whole nother career that you've gotten into over the last several years. So tell us about um, your life in real estate and kind of your company that you're involved in. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for asking about that. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, let's be frank. I mean, as orthopedic surgeons, we do fairly well, right? We we wouldn't necessarily ever go, you know, hungry. Our kids will be able to go to school. Our, you know, families will be well, you know, well taken care of for the most part. But you know, uh, for me, I 
my life's vision is to be able to contribute significantly to the, the delivery of musculoskeletal care mm-hmm. in lower to middle income countries, you know, starting with, with Nigeria, the country that I came from, but, but with the focus being mostly Africa. Um, so because I feel like I've been blessed with this opportunity to study in the U.S., you know, um, and, and achieve all the things that I've achieved so far. And I cannot forget to try my best to, to um, improve the quality of services on, uh, you know, uh, on ground so that, you know, years from now, no one's grandma will ever go without being able to get knee replacements like my, my mine did when I was in, in, in medical school. So initially, my, uh, 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 my approach to trying to do that was to go back to Nigeria and, you know, do a hip replacement, knee replacement here and there and teach about it and things of that nature. And, and those, that was great and all, but I only have like what four weeks. One person. Yeah, I'm yeah. one person. I only have about four weeks of vacation. And of that four weeks of vacation, I still got to spend some time with my wife and kid. And then maybe spend maybe another two weeks of that actually doing um, some of that work, you know, in Nigeria or internationally. And I just didn't think that I was going to be able to achieve that vision quickly enough um, um, using that model. And that's when I started to think about what other ways can I stop, can, can I use to leverage my time and give myself some time freedom, you know? And with that financial freedom, right? Because financial freedom to me is the ability to do whatever you want, you know? Mm-hmm. When you want it, sure. with the people you love, <laughs> you know? So I was, I was saying, you know what? How can I get there faster so that I could achieve some of this uh, my, my, this vision of helping a large amount of people on a large scale um, quicker, how do I get there quicker? And I, I realized that, you know what, what, what that means is that I'm going to have to, one, start to figure out ways to use my current position to, to, to achieve that goal. And second, be able to at least make enough money outside of my day-to-day job where I'm trading hours for dollars, you know, um, to to be able to free myself up a little bit to do, focus more on, on what that, that life vision is. And that's actually what led me to real estate. You know, I started with some angel investing, which are, which, and my investments are doing pretty good, but obviously angel investing is, is high stakes game. It's a high stakes game. And it's certainly not going to, it, 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 for, not, for somebody who is starting out, it's not the way to, to achieve financial freedom, if you do, if you if you're not hundred percent focused on it, right? Um, and then I segued into single family because for the vast majority of us, that's what we are familiar with. We're mm-hmm. familiar with, you know, buying a house, <laughs> you know, renting it out, you know, maybe buy a duplex, triplex, or flipping. You know, some people will talk about flipping. Some people will talk about stocks, crypto, things of that nature, but. I just didn't feel like I understood stocks enough, for example, to do extremely well, you know, right. double digit returns, 20% average annual returns. So for example, you know, I, in, in single, certainly my single family portfolio, I didn't feel like um, was giving me the cash flow that I needed to truly make me financially free. So it was in the 
exploration of all the different options that existed that I stumbled upon multifamily real estate. And, and I was inspired by um, uh, two doctors who actually eventually turned out to um, eventually turned out to be my coaches, you know, before I started this, um, by the time I started this, doctors that started a company called Viking Capital. At Viking Capital, they, you know, they, they, they were able to, in the early 40s, literally retire from medicine, right? Mm-hmm. And ac- accumulate a real estate um, asset under management of over $400 million. And we're not talking about some of the lower paid forms of medicine. One was a cardiologist, right? One was a cardiologist, one was an hospitalist, um, but you know, they were little, and all they did was go into their communities, you know, uh, into their network and collate money, you know, pool money together from investors and, and, and start buying big apartment buildings. And by doing so, they made the investors significant amount of money, double-digit returns that allowed those investors also to maybe, you know, claim back some of their time and and make significant amount of money and create legacy wealth in the process while they were doing the same for themselves. So I looked around and I started asking my my buddies, you know, people I went to medical schools with, people I did residency with, and I started asking, you know, health professionals, you know, underrepresented minorities, you know, these groups and people who are intersected in these groups and saying, hey, have you guys uh, ever heard of this particular model, this asset class, multifamily real estate? Have you ever invested in syndication? And the vast majority of them just never heard of it. So I saw an opportunity to bring the gospel of multifamily real estate into our community of healthcare professionals, into our community um, of immigrants, into our community of, um, of, of, of Black people, into our community of underrepresented minorities. And so I was like, you know what? So be it. But before I jumped head first into it, I had to equip myself with a lot of knowledge first. So I started reading a lot of books on real estate and professional development. I started to listen to a lot of podcasts. I started, I, I got coaches, you know, Vic and Ravi from, from Vic, Viking Capital to teach me everything that they know about, about multifamily real estate, me and my partners. And, and, and I was lucky enough to also find fantastic partners. Leslie Awesome, who is our co-founder at XI Capital and uh, director of operations and Tenny um, Tolofari, who is uh, our co-founder and director of acquisitions. Fantastic partners who are wholly dedicated to this, who I am able to leverage in a lot of ways to really make the company grow fast. And once we were able to find that team that worked we started to establish the appropriate relationships, the needed relationships to take down these large properties. And eventually we were able to like start reaching out to people in our network. And I'm proud to say that you, you were one of the first people that we reached out to. And that's how it started. And I'm proud to say to you that, you know, within 18 months, we were able to achieve a, 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 a real estate asset under management of about $32.5 million. And by the end of this year, we'll be well over $100 million in asset under management by the time we uh, close the current deal that we are in the process of closing. So it's, it's, it's been an incredible, incredible journey just to get there. Um, and we are just getting started because what we have realized now is just that 
there's incredible thirst in our communities <laughs> to invest in this large multifamily real estate assets. And uh, we have been able to, you know, quench some of that thirst, but we are just at the beginning of, of doing that. Right. So, you know, first, when you hear multifamily, I grew up around real estate and I had no clue. So I was like, multifamily, does that mean two or three families invest together? And then I said, oh, okay, multifamily. You mean like when you're driving down the interstate, the huge apartment complex that you see on the side, that's what multifamily. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So tell us about some of the sizes of the properties that Excite Capital have invested in. So yeah, so the smallest one we did was uh, the Griffin, which we were part of. Um, it was a 49 unit uh, class A property in the Petworth uh, part of DC, Washington DC. It was a $20 million acquisition. We partnered with our um, uh, mentors and, and, and partners, uh, Viking Capital to take that one down. And, and it was, uh, it, that, that, so that was actually the smallest one we did. And then we've also um, um, we also closed as the lead sponsors and and and, and general partners for um, uh, the view uh, at St Andrews, which is a 132 unit Class C property in um, Columbia, South Carolina, uh, which we closed in April uh, of this past year. And currently, we are in the process of closing um, on a, a deal in South, South Bend, Indiana. Another deal that we combined, we uh, uh, collaborated with uh, Viking Capital and other general partners to take down. That's a 400 unit um, property, um, $76 million acquisition that we are in the process of closing right now. We are already done with fundraising. We're just doing the, the, the paperwork uh, necessary before we, uh, we wrap that up. Man, that is awesome. And like you said, there's a need for it in our community um, and there's a hunger for it as well. As I mentioned to you before we started this call, one of your former investors reached out to me today. Hey, what's next? You know, <laughs> so people are appreciative of the work you're doing. And, you know, when I first talked to you about it, my wife said, well, how do you know him? You know, <laughs> so, you know, because Number one, when you start investing money, there are plenty of schemes out there, plenty of ways you can lose money easily, Absolutely. but you have to have the relationships. I said, number one, he went to Howard University College of Medicine <laughs> and all from there. Number two, he is a part of the orthopedic surgery community. So Absolutely. You know, I can rely on those two things. He's not going to try to do that in yeah. the place where he has to deal with his his colleagues day in and day out so and it's great it's great work that you guys are doing now i mean uh, definitely i mean that was one of the things actually that uh some some, some of the obstacles that i had to overcome personally before mm -hmm. i even went into this uh, uh business because i i was like i'm an orthopedic surgeon i mean like you know, the one of the challenges is, I, are people going to take me seriously as a real estate investor? You know, are people going to say, you know, why, why are you not just focused on replacing hips and knees? You know, mm -hmm. you're already on an incredible trajectory as a hip and knee surgeon, uh, Johns Hopkins and things of that nature. So, so why, why do you want to invest in real estate also in addition to that? Mm -hmm. um, but one thing I, I realized is that, you know, um, we can do all of these things and do them well, you know, right. and, 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 and for uber successful people, right. 
there are a few things to separate them from everybody else. One of those things is that the fact that they are rabid learners, you know, they, they learn as much as possible and God knows, I, I love to learn as much as possible. And I, I'm sure you do too. The second thing is they do make that decision to step up and take on challenging situations, you know, and really call, I mean, step up to the call of adventure, you know, and try to really learn new things you know, and explore new things and really learn, you know, what, how else they can grow, you know, um, because if, if, and, and growth is always associated with some discomfort, you know, if you're not, if, if, if you're not, if you don't have that discomfort, you're not growing, you know, yeah. so when I feel uncomfortable, I know, yes, I am pushing the boundaries, I am, you know, I am definitely growing. And, and that's what I felt like when we, we initially started this company. But what, what I kept coming back to is that, you know, I really, truly care about this. I tr especially when I found out the gaps in knowledge with the, the people that kind of knew about this types of asset class and those of us that did not know about it. Mm -hmm. I was, I was, I mean, it, it was very clear to me that somebody had to fill that gap, right? And so I was like, if I, I felt called to do it. So, and the third thing about, you know, people who actually, you know, become extremely successful, just like, you know, it's besides learning a lot and stepping up, it's like they actually act, you know, they follow through, you know, this, I mean, I'm sure you were thinking about this podcast for a long time. <laughs> and, right. and you probably were like, oh, man, am I going to do it? I'm, you know, how do I even get started? But then you took the active steps, you stepped up, you learned as much as you can about it. I'm sure you read a bunch of books about it, mm -hmm. or, or listened to other podcasts and read a bunch of things on the internet about it. You stepped up, and you said, you know what? I'm just gonna start. Oh, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna find ways to 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 get it started. And and now you are on your what? Like the 12, 13 yeah, episode. Yeah, twelfth yeah, twelfth episode. Twelfth yep. episode, absolutely. So and you're following through with it, and you're only gonna continue to grow. Um, so the same thing with us, you know. Eventually we just said, you know what, we were gonna start. We're not begging you for money, we are mm -hmm. presenting opportunities to help you grow your wealth. And to help you create legacy wealth, and and to allow all of us to do it together, and and one thing I've just noticed is that yes, initially people when they don't know about it, uh, usually a little reluctant, but once they start learning about it, they, and they they educate themselves and they listen to the podcast, read the books. Um, it's been and, and oh, and particularly when they start getting the distributions, <laughs> <laughs> that helps. That helps. <laughs> then um, I mean, the our last deal, we we got a three hundred thousand dollar check, you know, um, and, and it, I mean, the minimum is fifty thousand dollars typically, but you know, somebody was just like, you know what, go ahead, take it, because people now have seen. The proof in the the proof is in the pudding, and people have seen it, and people, you know, know like trust us, and they are ready to invest with us. Yeah. So two things you mentioned. Number one, um, how do you go from a dream to reality? It takes action, right? You can think about it all day long. You can think about it for years, but until you put some action into place, it will not be reality. Absolutely. And you have to fail to succeed. Absolutely. So I've heard someone say, "Okay, failure is like vitamins." So, you know, it, failure is just another lesson. 
Absolutely. Pick yourself up and keep pushing. If it, you're not feeling, you're not trying hard enough. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's just it's just a set. You know, it's a setup for a, a comeback, and that's mm -hmm. all. That's all failure is. You know. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely not a setback. Yeah. For sure. And the, the other thing um, is imposter syndrome. No matter how successful you are in your day job or whatever it may be, as a great athlete, as a great physician, as a great whatever, you still have mm -hmm. these self-limiting behaviors and thoughts. Until you can overcome them, you know, it's hard to say I can be a, a physician or I can be a, a syndicator, I can be a, a professional athlete. You have to deal with those self-limiting thoughts. And, and we all and, have them. We all, we all oh, yeah. oh, yeah. have them because, uh, I mean, I, and I'm, st I still continue to, to work on mine on a daily basis. And mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that, that, that worked for me in helping, helping to help me change my mindset completely, help eliminate most of my self-limiting thoughts, um, has been my morning routine, you know, um, uh, right before, you know, starting excite. I read a book called uh, Miracle Morning by our Arrow. He proposes that you need to do at least, uh, you know, six things in the morning. You know, um, the, the first is, 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 you know, silence, which is just like meditating. And for, you know, regardless of what your belief system is, it could be anything from prayers to just staying in silence and just being in the present moment. Uh, and the other is affirmations, you know, just being able to say, you know what? I am this, I, you know, I, and, and, and pronounce those things into your life. Um, the third is visualizations, you know, for you to be able to visualize yourself accomplishing the things that you've set out to do and, and to feel like you're going to accomplish them. Um, and we as surgeons do this naturally already, because before I do my total hip replacement, I've already thought about, you know, the, you know, the plan A, plan B, plan C, right. plan D, and I've prepared for all those, for all those possibilities right so we do that naturally anyways and then the the, the e is exercise you know and and i mean you got to get the juices flowing and i usually try to get at least 30 minutes in every morning um and it, it could be and on mornings when i'm running and rushing i could it could be just jumping jacks and a couple of push-ups and sit-ups but in the mornings when i really you know i have some time then i really get you know do 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 some work on my tonal uh, <laughs> Fifth is reading, you know, reading. And that usually for me takes the form of listening to an audio book on my way into work. I have a 30 minute um, um, commute. Um, so it's like, you know, listening to my audio book in and on my way back, so it's at least an hour of reading every day. And the sixth thing is, uh, is uh, scribing, just journaling, you know, being able to like kind of take, put your thoughts down because sometimes just putting them down and, Usually my journaling for the most part is all almost all gratitude. <laughs> it's just, you know, writing down the things that I'm super thankful for. It, it, it could be my, my fantastic, wonderful, beautiful wife. It could there be my go. amazing daughter. It, you know, it could be my parents, my in, incredible siblings that are doing amazing things. You know, it could be my friends and family and my friends um, that are, you know, always pushing me to be, you know, the best version of myself. You know, it could be, it could be my coworkers, you know, my PA, my, 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 my practice coordinator, who are all fantastic team members. You know, I have so much to be thankful for. And sometimes it could just be the fact that I woke up in the morning, even if I'm not feeling my best, you know, sure. I just, you know, when, when you count your blessings, um, it's really hard 
for anything that gets you down. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So it's funny, man, how this thing works because just this weekend, I was talking to my wife about morning routine. I was like, I got to get back into a routine. Number one of working out. We used to, I used to work out 5 a.m. for about two years and now I'm off that. But the morning routine, you hear so much about doing the important things in the morning, doing what's, you know, like you said, meditation, silence to get your day started. So I appreciate you bringing that up. To no, my, my pleasure, man. And don't get me wrong. It's, it's hard to stay on, on this things, you know, and sometimes I don't, I actually, most days I don't get to all six, sure. <laughs> you know, sure. um, but the, the, there are three that I try not to miss any day. It's the meditation, the exercise and the, the reading, you know, because mm -hmm. I love to, to accumulate knowledge over time. So, so that, that, you know, those are like non-negotiable, but, the affirmations, visualizations, and uh, describing part. Sometimes, you know, I get to it. Sometimes I don't. But I really, I, I try to get to all six as much as I can. Perfect. So for someone who's looking at you saying, man, Julius has got it all together. Um, he's a physician. He's an entrepreneur. You know, he's a, into real estate. He's a huge investor, syndicator. Uh, what struggles did you have to go through to, to get to the point where you are now? Oh, man, this... Uh, it's a lot of struggles, man, that, that is associated with this, uh, with this life. One of my uh, uh, biggest challenges sometimes is that uh, I, I still struggle sometimes with time management, you know? Um, I, I feel like I'm spread pretty thin, you know, because I, 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 it's hard for me to say no <laughs> mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know? I, I serve as the uh, mentorship chair for JRGOS, you know, which, is, which takes quite a bit of time. I'm the diversity chair for the Department of Orthopedic Surgery at Hopkins, which is a passion project. I love, love, love the work we're doing there. I co-founded the, the Global Orthopedics Collaborative at Johns Hopkins in our Department of um, Orthopedic Surgery. And we are doing some incredible things with that. We uh, and, and really finding ways to leverage the collective you know, knowledge of all the people involved in, in, in global orthopedics work to, to, to further uh, the cause of that collaborative. And that spreads me quite thin. I'm the director of one of the, <laughs> of the, of our, of our outpatient uh, clinics. So all these things kind of spread you pretty thin. And then we, you know, we are all constantly mentoring. You do, I do, you know? And, and so time management has been a continuous challenge of mine that I continue to work on. And I'm still a work in progress in that regard. The, the, the second thing is, Sometimes it's a little challenging to, to put yourself out there, and particularly when it comes to the business and raise money. And that's the bottom line, you know, because, you know, you, you're trying to present an opportunity to, to people, but for those that don't know the details of it, you know, it's, uh, it, you could see kind of sense there, you know, uh, not just reluctance, but doubts about what the things that you're saying. Ultimately, they get there and and, and finally learn that this is actually a true, fantastic alternative asset class to um, um, create significant wealth growth over time. But getting them from point A to point Z mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes could be a little frustrating uh, because you, you know what the truth is and you're trying to get, get it to them, but people have to kind of get, go through their journey you know, on, at their own pace. And um, that's something we all have to respect. But yeah. for me, bottom line is I just tell people when for that particular point, I just tell people like, listen, 
I just want you to know about this asset class. I don't care if you invest with my company or mm -hmm. another company. If you go, you know, I, for those that don't have the fifty thousand dollars, I'm like this fundrise, this the you know the the some of the uh, smaller you know places where you can invest smaller amounts and things like that. I would refer them to other syndicators if I have to, you know. But I just want as many people as possible particularly in our healthcare professional communities, you know, underrepresented minority communities to know about this asset class. So that at least it's a viable option to, you know, to, for their portfolio so that you could decide, you know, eventually if it's a fit for your portfolio or not. So that you're not just limited to single family, to stocks, to cryptocurrency or some of the other good asset classes out there. That's excellent. Thank you for sharing. So time out with the sports doctor. This is your final time out. So what's the last thing that you would like to leave, leave the listeners with about, you know, you as a person and the work that you're trying to do for the world? That's a, that's a great question. Um, ult ultimately, I think um, I'd like to just say that, you know, I am incredibly passionate about trying to improve the quality of care and access to musculoskeletal care, care in particular in low to middle income countries, particularly starting from countries in Africa. That's my life's vision. So that's something that I always want people to know about me. I also identify as a joint replacement surgeon, right? And a real estate investor. I, and I always tell people, you have to say it. You have to start no, identifying right. it. Yeah. So yeah. you as Derek, you're just not a orthopedic sports doctor anymore or sports mm -hmm. surgeon anymore. You are orthopedic sports surgeon mm -hmm. and a podcaster, you know? Yeah. And you <laughs> so, gotta say it. You're right. That's and, the affirmation. And, and an entrepreneur, you know. So mm -hmm. so I I am both of those things, and I am a dedicated father uh, and a husband. And I love, 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 love my family. And one of the things, my, one of my philosophies of practice in general, when it comes to my practice of orthopedic surgery is I, I treat my patients like I would treat my family members and I love my family. So obviously I, I treat my patients with a lot of love. And even if eventually, when eventually I get to the point of being able to, you know, walk away from orthopedic surgery if I wanted to, I will still probably still continue to operate because I truly love what I do. That's um, great. No, it's, a, it's an excellent field we're blessed to be in. Absolutely. And yeah, I'll probably still do it, even if I don't get paid for it, you know? And, and I will probably also continue to um, invest in real estate until the end of time. <laughs> so so <laughs> I've go. discovered two loves. I didn't think it was possible to love um, another thing as much as I loved orthopedic surgery. I've discovered another love, you know, um, at, at least I'm, I'm talking besides my wife. Don't let sure, me, sure, sure. We got you. Uh, my <laughs> wife and kid, I, those are my number one love <laughs> family. But when it comes to, you know, a, a, a professional career, you know, um, uh, you know, it, it, things that you do, um, I, I love, love replacing people's joints. I love orthopedic surgery in general. But also I've developed a significant amount of love for real estate um, investing. And I, I just want to share that, you know, th that love with as many people as I can. So uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to 
to share some of this um, with your um, platform and with your listeners. And uh, hopefully we'll do this again some other time and I could give you some updates. Uh, and, and soon enough, there will be another deal and hopefully you'll be joining that next deal. Absolutely. So you mentioned Miracle Morning. Is there another book that you would leave, leave the listeners with? Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I, uh, I'll give you two. All right. For those that are interested in real estate investing, and, and particularly when it comes to multifamily real estate, um, I would recommend Wheelbarrow Profits, you know, with, by mm -hmm. Jack and Gino. I think I had you read this uh, in, in yep. the beginning too, right? Um, yep. and, uh, and, and, and for just general life, um, uh, 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 you know, improvements and, and professional development, I would recommend a book called Skip the Line, you know? by J James Altucher. Um, I find that book, I find I, I, what I loved about that book was the fact that it combined a lot of the little lessons that I learned in the over, <laughs> you know, 20 something books that I've read on, on personal development and actually picks mm -hmm. a few of my favorites and combines it in one book. So Skip the Line by James Altucher. It's, it's you know, it, the guy's a little bit of a comedian and the read is, you know, uh, it reads just like that, but if you could get over some some of the stylistic things, you would you you know you would uh, you would you would and, and just focus on the message of the book. It's incredible. Perfect. And for someone who wants to follow what you're doing with Excite Capital or just follow you in general, how do they keep in contact with you? Fantastic. Um, you can reach me at juliasoni at excitecapital.com. Excite is um, X S I T E, you know, capital.com. And um, or you could reach out to us at excitecapital.com. You can also reach out to us right there too. So perfect. And I'll put that in the show notes. Well, man, I appreciate your time on a Sunday afternoon. Hey, wrap up your work so you can get home to the family. Hey, brother. I will be here for you anytime, any day. Thank you so much for the opportunity to chat. All right. Thank you. Yeah, take care. Thank you for continuing to support this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a five-star review. And if you haven't done so, subscribe so you continue to get the updated episodes. Until later, peace.